Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Pick them up. Bye. Come on, man. Get that piano off your back. <laughs> they weren't catching that dude. Man. He's on J. Will Zubin. Good morning, New York City. It is draft day. It is the day that the anticipation for players, for really fans, for everybody. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the show appear on the Goodyear Hotline. I mean, who is going to be this year's no matter what, right, from the movie draft day? Who is going to be that guy? Mike Tannenbaum knows a thing or two about draft day. He certainly has worked several of them. He joins us right now. Will join us for the rest of the show. Mike T. Good morning, Mike. Happy draft day. Yeah. So, you know, Keyshawn talked about his memories from draft day and walking through New York City and everybody wanted to touch him. And that, that moment where he knew he'd go number one because there was some uncertainty. I know, Mike, you, you find this hard to believe, but the Jets actually tried to go cheap with him right before they picked him. Well, just for the record, I wasn't there, so. I... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, Mike. They, you know the old, you know the whole. Oh, he wants to be in New York. He's a snack, crackle, pop guy personality. New York fits him. We can get a pre-draft deal done. Little did they know. I told him, never mind. I'd rather go to Jacksonville. Who would rather at go two. to Jacksonville? I would rather go to Jacksonville at two and get what I'm supposed to get. And you were bluffing. Exactly. I wasn't bluffing. Come on. It's called I leverage. wasn't bluffing. It's called leverage. Mike, you, you know better what? tell him I wasn't bluffing. The money you made, you would have lost. It didn't matter. I wasn't thinking about that. All I was right. just thinking about the right thing. Okay. And the right thing for the Jets to do was pay me. You picked me at one, pay me. Why are you trying to pay me like the eighth pick? What the hell's wrong with these general managers? Mike, what, what, I mean, your, I guess, would your draft day moment, your memory, whatever it is, would it be the Sanchez draft? Would it be that moment? What, what, give me a moment for you that just, you know, that, that always comes back to you on a day like this when you prepare for Mike, I love that your eyebrow just raised up. You're like, I've had a lot of moments. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no, it's true. You have, but yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to set you up for it. You tell me. Yeah. Well, let's see. I could go by coach. You know, when it was Rex, the over-under was five to 6,000 calories. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm making sure that. You know, it wasn't until we got uh, past Aaron Curry going to Seattle at four did we think we had a real chance at Mark Sanchez, you know, going from 17 to five. But candidly, guys, the other one that is just really remarkable is the Laramie Tunsil situation, mm. which was in Miami. It was our first draft together down there. And we had a really good left tackle in Brandon Albert. And like every other team, we had a gazillion needs. And we thought Laramie Tunsil was the best player in the draft. And we're like, you run a million scenarios. It'd be like like the equivalent of Kyle Pitts going 15 tonight. Like, there's no scenario in the world that anyone's going to think that's going to happen. So when the video came out, we scrambled. We did our – we looked at all our reports. Laramie Tunsil's a great person. He's a great teammate. Coaches loved him. Great relationship with his mom. And we just fell back on our process, and we were like, wow, we got the best player in the draft at 13. And if you had asked me at 9 a.m. the day of that draft back in 2016 or going back to 09 with Sanchez at 9.03 in the morning, guys, you know, what are the chances of this happening? I would have put it at like 1%. And that's what's so much fun about tonight. When we're talking tomorrow, the four of us, something crazy will happen tonight. It usually does, right? There's always some kind of history made. Mike Tannenbaum is going to join us now for the rest of the hour. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance, offering coverage options as unique as your business. Progressive covers companies of many sizes and specialties. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. So let's get to it. The final picks of the KJZ mock draft. And our guest analyst is Mike Tannenbaum. Comments to come after each pick is made. And the first pick, or the, or the 29th pick, I should say, 
is in the Green Bay Packers. Jen Leda, ESPN Wisconsin, makes the pick. With the 29th pick in the 2021 KJZ mock draft, the Green Bay Packers select Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback, Florida State. You know, I, I, I don't mind this pick at Florida State, a cornerback coming out of there. You, if you know the name, then you know that that is the junior of the former Philadelphia Eagle, New England Patriot cornerback. Mm-hmm. But here's what I would say. I think the Green Bay Packers need defensive help, but they need it at the linebacker spot. I think when you think about taking a corner here, they've taken corners in the past, high in the first round, even some in the second, that have worked out for them. So I don't necessarily know that they need a defensive back. This may be a luxury pick for them. Their need is at linebacker. Yeah, Key, I agree. And the other place we could look as well would be at center. They lost Corey Lindsley. They're moving Elton Jenkins from guard to center. Right now they have John Runyon at guard. And, look, so much has been made as has Green Bay done enough for them, uh, for Aaron Rodgers. I would go to the other side of the ball and try to get him an offensive player. We go to pick number 30, and that is – I want to make sure I'm right here – Ariel Helwani. That's awesome. Ariel Helwani is going to make a pick for us. ESPN MMA insider, also a huge Bills fan. Make the pick. With the 30th pick in the 2021 KJZ mock draft, the Buffalo Bills, America's team, (laughs) this year's Super Bowl champions, this year's AFC champions, the greatest team in football, select... Travis Etienne, running back, Clemson. I think this is a, a, a position pick. Sense. I love it. Welcome oh, to Bill's Mafia, Travis. <laughs> he just keeps going. Happy to have you. This is certainly a pick. Uh, we had Brandon Beam on yesterday on our show, General Manager of the Buffalo Bills. This is certainly a position pick for them. Now, whether they can get Najee Harris at this spot or move up to take the Alabama running back, but they need to address this position. Travis Etienne is a home run hitter. We saw him display a lot of talent at Clemson. I don't think he is the overall back that Najee Harris is. I don't mind them taking a running back at this spot, although they do have Zach Moss and Singletary in the backfield. This would be an upgrade for Josh Allen. You know, guys, I was wrong on Josh Allen when he was coming out. I was concerned about his accuracy going back to Wyoming. It's improved historically. It says a lot about the players that Brandon Bean's put around him, the coaching of Brian Dayball. I love this pick because Travis Etienne, as much as I love Najee Harris, is a better pass receiver. And I think this is another way they can enhance Josh Allen's completion percentage, long handoffs. Etienne is explosive. I like this pick. I remember, too, that Najee Harris was already taken. At 24, so he wouldn't be on the board, which is why Etienne is, is then the next best option. And Ariel Helwani, the Bills fan, just absolutely making sure he got every moment out of that pick. Okay, okay but next, the Ravens. At number 31, Jameson Hensley, our ESPN Ravens reporter, makes the pick. With the 31st pick in the 2021 KJZ mock draft, the Baltimore Ravens select Landon Dickerson. Center, Alabama. You know, I don't, I don't agree with this pick. I think when you look at it, yes, they need to address the offensive line at times to get some protection for Lamar Jackson. But in order to protect Lamar Jackson, he needs to be able to have a weapon or two to throw the ball to. I know that they got Sammy Watkins in free agency. They have Hollywood Brown, a smaller receiver. 
This receiver class is a bunch of itty-bitties, as I like to call them. <laughs> Not big guys, but the one big guy who could potentially still be on the board is Terrence Marshall Jr. out of LSU. He's been in and out of the lineup at LSU with injuries throughout his career. Maybe that's a concern of Baltimore's. But if he's there, I'm certainly going to draft him to give Lamar Jackson, a guy that I'm getting ready to extend, a massive extension to, to have a weapon. Yeah, Key, you know, this is one where it, you could go either way. You could go offense line. You surely could go receiver, which they need. To me, when you're sitting in the draft and trying to make a decision, guys, the tiebreaker goes to the depth of that position in this year's draft. And I know you just called them itty-bitties, but there are some <laughs> other bigger receivers that are available. Rashad Bateman, I, I love Dwayne Eskridge, by the way, Western Michigan. A little bit smaller, but he can fly. So, I would go offensive line here because I just think the depth at receiver to me would be the tiebreaker. And with the final pick of the KJZ mock draft, pick number 32, the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we have a celebrity selector, Dick Vitale, huge Bucks fan. Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, my Tampa Bay Bucks. Super Bowl chance. Yes, with the 32nd selection, they take Notre Dame's fighting Irish offensive tackle, Liam Eichenberg. Yes, protection for Mr. Brady, the greatest of all time. Let's go, Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> this pick is, again, a luxury pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sitting at 32. They can go all over the board here, Mike. I think what I would do is I probably would look for a young quarterback in this situation at 32, maybe there's a guy uh, in Davis Mills that they like at Stanford. 32, you get him for the fifth-year option. You, general managers love that. You lock him. Tom Brady's got two or three more years. He learns under a guy like Tom Brady, takes over from there. The rest is history for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have their future at quarterback. You know, Key, I agree. Ozzie Newsom, the longtime great general manager of the Ravens, did exactly that a couple years ago. They traded up, got Lamar Jackson, league MVP, and you get him for five years on his contract. We did something similar at the Jets. We had Vinny Tustaverde, Ray Lucas. We drafted Chad Pennington. I can't remember why we had four first-round picks that year. Well, but, yeah. But, <laughs> but, but the point is, I think if Tampa Bay gets their quarterback now for the future, he sits for a year or two. And as much as we love Dick Vitale – I love Donovan Smith. I love Tristan Wirfs. We don't need a tackle. Mike Tannenbaum joins us here. All right, so that is it. That's the that's the entire draft. The KJZ mock draft is complete. And, Mike, um, just off of now all the picks that are being made, and, again, just to remind everybody, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We will play Ask the GM Anything coming up. We'll also take your calls on the draft uh, right now as well. If you have some questions for the GM, for Keyshawn, for Jay, uh, as well, we'll get them loaded up. But I wanted to read you a quote um, from Dak Prescott. Not sure if you um, saw it, but it, it is something that was discussed on Get Up This Morning as well from CBS Sports Radio. He said, Dak Prescott did, he said that he thinks for the Cowboys it'll be a, a heavy defensive draft for us. He said, if you look on the offensive side at the weapons we've got, he mentions Amari Cooper, you got Blake Jarwin coming back from injury, C.D. Lamb, uh, Michael Gallup. He talked about Zeke Elliott, obviously, as well. He said, I think it's just obvious you go defense and it just make our team better over on that side. What do, what do you make of what Dak is saying there? He's pretty confident what he's got on the offensive side of the ball. That's one of the many reasons I love Dak Prescott. Greatness is about influencing others, and that's what he's all about. He's exactly right. He's watched it. At some point, they got to win a couple games, guys, 
21-14, 21-17. They don't need to lose 49-47. This team, last year, we got to give them a pass. C.D. Lamb was there, unexpected opportunity. They were able to come back in the fourth round and get a, a, a center for Wisconsin and BDs. This year, even if Kyle Pitts was on the – and he won't be, but even if there was a great offensive player, they got to go defense. I think it just – that comment to me speaks to a emerging star, someone that's smart – and understands the selfless part of being a quarterback. It's one of the many reasons I love Dak Prescott. So, Mike, who would that be in your opinion? Because I hear a lot of people obviously talk about names like Patrick Sertan II. Uh, I've heard a lot of other you know, experts. Key has talked about J.C. Horn a lot, that he brings a little bit more grittiness to the table. Who, who would you take with that selection? I would take Sertan. I like them both. It's split in hairs. I think they both could be really productive. Uh, for me, Sertan just has been going back, watching him in high school. He is – He's not Darrell Rivas, but I don't think he's far away because he has perfect measurables, great instincts, smart, tough. They both check all the boxes, but I would just give the slight edge to Sertan. Want to take some calls here? 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Let's take Curtis in Pittsburgh. Go ahead, Curtis. Hey, how we doing, guys? How you doing, Curtis? Uh, want to give a shout-out to my cousin, Demore Hamlin. He's in his draft uh, this weekend as well. My question is this. Uh, if the Steelers don't get Najee, do you think they will go after a linebacker to um, boost the linebacker? Because we, over the years we've been having our linebackers get hurt. So you think they will go after a linebacker in this draft? I think they I think they, they, got, they got a lot of small holes, Mike. I think when you look at them, they got linebacker issues. They've got corner issues because Joe Hayden, a little bit older. I mean, you start to look at some of the defensive side of the ball. There's a few holes there, but then on the offensive line, they've got holes. They've got to replace Pouncey. They've also got to figure out the running game. If there's no Najee Harris, is there a Travis Etienne? Is it the, the young man Williams out of North Carolina? Like, there's some other backs that they can potentially reach for if they decide to do that. But they've got a lot of small holes in this roster. Hey, Key. The first thing I thought when the call was said was Curtis from Pittsburgh, I thought it was your former teammate Curtis Martin joining the show, <laughs> which would have been a lot of fun. That's the first thing I thought of. But uh, I, I really think it has to be offensive line, and here's why. Ben Roethlisberger is very close to the end. And when you they haven't re-signed Villanueva, their left tackle, Pouncey retired. And to give an aging, speed-deficient quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger the best chance to be successful, it has to be the offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. So to me, they got to draft there multiple times. They do need a linebacker. They do need a running back. But if they're going to have any chance this year, and I think there's a massive gap now between the Steelers and the other three teams, which is hard to say because those other three teams have good young quarterbacks and Pittsburgh doesn't. I love the fact that the Steelers extended Mike Tomlin. They're saying, hey, he's the face of the franchise. He's the guy that we're going to continue to build around. And ideally, they're going to come out of this with a quarterback at some point. But to me, for this year, go get an offensive lineman. Let's continue with the calls. We've got a lot of Cowboys calls coming in right now. How about Brian from Dallas? Hey, guys. How are you all doing today? All right. How are you? I'm oh, doing good. Hey, Keith, first of all, you look great and green in the Jets, but, man, never look better than a star on the side of your head, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, well, I, I just want to say with the Cowboys on, at 10, you got five quarterbacks going. you got a pitch going. you got an offensive line going. So that our offensive lineman going, that's seven. You got eight and nine to worry about before ten comes up, and there's two cornerbacks there. You know, one of them's more physical, probably going to get more penalties on one side. I love Sertan on the other side with Diggs on one side and Sertan on the other. But when you have the Eagles at twelve 
needing similar positions. Is there any chance you think the Eagles are going to jump up and steal one of those cornerbacks and uh, and leave Dallas out in the cold? No, from what I understand, Howie Roseman, the general manager who's running the draft for the Philadelphia Eagles, says that he is not inclined to move up or down. He's going to basically play the board and sit tight That's at 12. available, right. Yeah, for me, what's interesting is this. 10, 11, and 12, so much has been made about the quarterbacks, but when you look at Dallas, the Giants, and also Philadelphia, you know, poor Dave Gettleman, Dave's made, you know, 5,000 picks in, in his career, never moved down. Well, I, I got to tell you, it's going to be 5,001. There's no way any of those three teams can move because you would be sick if you moved out of one of those three spots and then a division rival took the player mm-hmm. you wanted. And I think for the most part, their needs are, are very similar. I think Philly is desperate for a skill player, but – I think tonight is going to be fascinating to see how 10 and 11, 12 come off the, uh, the board. And that's why I think Dallas really can't get cute, take the best defensive player you can, and move on. Well, on hey, the Giants, oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask, because you're going to ask about the Giants. Funny, we were both going to the same place. Yeah, I have a caller. It, well, uh, let me ask a quick question for me, because yeah. I'm a Giants fan. Yeah. If Penny Soul won't be there, probably be gone by Cincinnati. Does it make sense for the Giants to get a guy like Rashawn Slater? Does that, does that make sense for them to kind of show up that old, that old line? Yeah, Jay, well, I, like for me, look, they've they put a ton of resources into that position the last couple of years, uh, you know, between Thomas and Hernandez. Yep. I just feel like for them, corner and pass rush send you home quicker than anything else. And even though they signed a Dory Jackson, they have Bradbury, I think they could use another corner. And I think they haven't rushed the passer in years, guys. Like, yeah. when was the last time we said, boy, look at that ferocious giant pass rush? Yeah, that is true. But, you know, again, Gettleman, what he's all about, he mentions it all the time since he got the job, the hog mollies. That's something that he just keeps trying to build. And with Daniel Jones, he doesn't throw to the other team. He just hands it to the other team. They've got to continue to protect him. Okay, so now we'll go to John in Tampa, also on the Giants. Guys, how you doing? Listen, enjoy uh, listening to your show today. Big time Giants being down here. And one of the questions I was going to ask, Last time the Giants did draft the linebacker was back in the 1980s before I was even born in a uh, stud player from Michigan State by the name of Carl Banks. Uh, the kid Parsons, I know, has uh, different types of concerns, especially about his actions in Penn State, but you have a sort of uh, kind of a, not a uh, tutorian type of person and judge. Do you think the Giants go after Parsons and put him into that defense and see what we can do? I think it, I think it could potentially be Parsons or the defensive end from Michigan. Um, Quinny uh, Pay, yeah, Quinny Pay, but Quinny Pay has some. I think he has some medical, some some little bit of red flag issues. Um, it could be one of those two. When Mike talked about the defensive side of the ball, Michael Parsons didn't play this past football season, so you really didn't get a chance to see him. You would have to go back to 2019 to really get a, a real education on what type of player he is. He can run. He's physical. He plays the run. He's a hustler on the backside. I like him, but, you know, something tells me that people are going to look at him a little bit different based on him opting out. Yeah, you know, Key, you bring up a fascinating point, and I've called a number of teams about that in terms of opting out. And what I'm hearing from teams are not all opt-outs are going to be traded the same. And what I mean by that, guys, is if everything was impeccable – and you decide because there was a family member or a loved one that you, there was a high risk. Like, take someone like Jamar Chase. Like, Jamar Chase could be top five player. He didn't play this year. There's no team that's saying anything about him. Micah Parsons has had some bumps in the road. That could be a factor. And certainly, guys, it may be a tiebreaker when you're trying to, you know, is it going to be player A or player B? If one played and the other didn't, 
I would expect the player that did play to go ahead of them. But, Mike, let me ask you this, though. Why does that matter? If his film is good and he can play, I don't give a damn if he opted out because he wanted to hang out with his homeboys or he opted out because his grandma was sick. If he's on if the film is there and he can play, why does it matter? It's almost like the Lermy Tunsil situation with you. Okay, Lermy Tunsil smoked some weed. Guess what? We're in 2020 now, uh, 2021 now. It's legal pretty much everywhere. Why is that a deciding factor on whether or not I want to draft a player because he opted out? It's uh, the Coach Belichick lesson. You know, he always said in the draft room, hey, guys, there's two things that college football players will have more of in pro football, more time and more money. And if you tear a player apart, you want a competitor to ooze out of them. You want somebody that wants to be great, that's going to do everything they can to maximize their ability. So if a player doesn't play, and again, not all opt-outs are created equal. I think that bears repeating. But if they didn't play and it doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense, I'm just saying, like, sitting in that seat key, if everything was equal, that would be a concern because will they do everything they can as a pro football player to maximize their ability? I, but I just don't I, understand if, that if either, the, though. If the opt-out was there for me, and, I, and if this was the situation when I came out and I made a decision to opt-out to protect myself so I can invest in who I am, so I can help my family, I'm going to opt-out. I, I just – I would never, as a general manager, front office guy – feel like if a kid is opting out to for whatever there's all sorts of reasons guys opt out it could be fear for injury protecting themselves family issues whatever you clearly know based on your research what that young man opted out for and what his personality is like before you start to deem red flags to hurt his draft stock that just it's mind-boggling to me that's all Yeah, I, it's interesting. Like, we can look at the University of Miami defensive ends, Jalen Phillips and Greg Rousseau. I really like Rousseau because he's so big and athletic and really great movements. He didn't play this year. He had a really bad pro day. And then you look at Jalen Phillips, and he just keeps doing everything right. He had some bumps in the road at UCLA. Sounds like he didn't get along with Chip Kelly. He's had some issues of concussions. But the trajectory of those players are, is different. And, again, I look at, like, Jamar Chase different than Greg Rousseau. Jamar Chase had a great pro day. That speaks to somebody that's disciplined, mature, handles their business. And I'm not saying that, of course, I wouldn't draft Greg Rousseau, but if we were running a team together, guys, we would really want to drill down, like, how'd you handle your business? What'd you do? Right. You know, your level of discipline, your level of maturity, all those things would matter. Yes. And just to put a bow on the giant conversation, what you were mentioning at 11, Todd McShay's final mock draft for this year's draft, he does have Quiddy Pay going at 11 to the Giants. This NFL draft preview brought to you by Sherwin-Williams. Bring your team colors home with Sherwin-Williams. So we have Mike Tannenbaum joining us for the show as for the rest of this hour as we continue to talk about the NFL draft, which is tonight. So we'll play coming up next. A little more. Ask the GM anything. We also, coming up, have a surprise for Keyshawn on draft day. That's hmm. after Jay has this from Goodyear. Goodyear knows like that when the season again? starts heating up... <laughs> so Playoff hopefuls are beginning to emerge and contenders are solidifying their position. From here on out, every game is a chance to create momentum, to make the right pass, the right move, to hit the perfect shot. It takes momentum to build up to the moment, but it takes everything to capture it. Good ear, more driven. 
John in Oklahoma, we got to run. But what you got? Jay, he's one of my favorite point guards watching college. Key, Thanks, great, man. consistent career. Saw it with my Cowboys, luckily. It was safeties, not seagulls. When you went over the middle or you wouldn't have got 800 <laughs> catches. Zubin, great personality, great job of leading the show. More from Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin next. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Alan Hahn. This is SportsCenter right now. The Mets lost to the Red Sox 1-0. You can only guess who was pitching. Of course it was Jacob DeGrom, and of course he pitched great. He's done just about everything you can possibly do in April. But denied a story of ending once again. Received no run support from the Mets in the 1-0 loss on Wednesday. DeGrom struck out nine more batters in the game. Six innings of work. So... Obviously, this has become a thing with Jacob DeGrom. He's got to be getting to a level of frustration, right, Jake? No, I try not to think too much about it. Um, Like I said, I'm more disappointed that I wasn't able to make pitches there in the second inning. Um, That comes down to me controlling what I can control, and, you know, I didn't do a good job of that in that second inning. Amazing that he puts it on himself. Stand-up guy. I shouldn't have given up that run. See, if that was me, I'd have been like, man, my offense sucks. (laughs) He's probably saying that only to himself. On to the NBA. I won't say it. Lakers lose to the Wizards 116-107. Keyshawn's Lakers were trying to win consecutive games for the first time in a month. They remain in the fifth seed in the West, however, just a game ahead or a game and a half ahead of the six-seeded Dallas Mavericks and only two games ahead of the seventh-seed Portland Trailblazers. Why is that significant? Because the seventh through tenth teams have to play in the play-in tournament just to make the playoffs, Keyshawn. The NFL Draft, have you heard, is tonight. ESPN, ABC, ESPN Radio. It kicks off at 8 Eastern with coverage beginning at 7 p.m. on on ESPN Radio. History can be made with five potential quarterbacks going off the board potentially in the first round. One of them, Trevor Lawrence, looking to become the first Clemson player in the common draft era to be selected first overall. Sports Center brought to you by Goodyear. Goodyear knows from here on out every game is a chance to create momentum to make the right pass, the right move, to hit the perfect shot. It takes momentum to get through the playoffs. It takes everything to capture a title. Goodyear, more driven. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We have Mike Tannenbaum joining us here for the hour as we get ready for the NFL draft. And as I mentioned, Trevor Lawrence, guys, tonight will go number one. We expect that. Then the Jets are on the clock at Mm. number two. And, I mean, in this draft, 
They can't screw it up. Or can they? Johnny Lamb Jones. Wide receiver, Texas. I think it's a good selection, but a very surprising one. UCLA running back, Freeman McNeil. As a season ticket holder of the Jets, I'm going to boo. Jets take the first-round selection. Quarterback, Ken O'Brien of California, Davis. Everybody said if Marino was going to be around at that time, they take Marino. Obviously, the Jets know something that, you know, the people up here don't. New York Jets first-round selection. Fullback, Roger Vick, Texas A&M. Fullback. New York Jets first-round choice. Jeff Lagerman, linebacker, Virginia. It's obvious to me right now that the Jets just don't understand what the draft's all about. <laughs> the New York Jets select Blair Thomas, running back, Penn State. <laughs> the New York Jets select Johnny Mitchell, tight end, Nebraska. So New York, New York becomes tight end, tight end. Step. Make it happen. New York Jets Come to New York. Tight end from Penn State. What? Kyle Brady. Oh, God. Kyle Brady. Ladies and gentlemen, our first real upset, I think, at this point in the track. Yeah, maybe they wow. can. Maybe it's a good thing the it's draft good is run. not in New York this it's a good year. Run. I mean, it was all right. The draft God. being in New York was a good thing and a, a good thing for the NFL because of the energy. The bad thing for the Jets because of how fans would react to picks, they would boo. The best one had to have been the Marino one, though. How like obviously, it, obviously, they know something we don't. And Tagley was just doing the whole like like quarterback, like knowing that everybody would get. Well, he some, probably was shocked too. He probably was like, right, like what? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, uh, you have to you have to feel like, I mean, I I don't even know the the, the crowd reaction to these picks, as a front as somebody in the front office, does it? It has to a little bit once you make the pick because you're you have had that excitement about it, but to hear the way the crowd reacts, does it play at all into your emotions? Yeah, that that footage brought back so many memories. Yo, Coach Parcells, Parcell, right, when so. you're in New York, two emotions, guys: euphoria, disaster, yeah. and nothing in between. Uh, it was Roselle, by the way, my mistake. I uh, just running names into other names, but still, just the Jet memories. And, and again, we'll see what happens tonight. This is in Cleveland, but there, of course, will be Jet fans that, that will have their reason to react. We're going to play uh, Ask the GM as we get ready for the draft. Again, 888 say ESPN, 888 So load up those right now. But uh, Keyshawn, we're, we're yes. going to go back in time. Okay. All right. It's yeah. twenty. It's amazing. Twenty five years. Twenty five years. Twenty five years since you've been drafted. Yeah. Come on, man. Y'all don't need to put a date on it. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. <laughs> Black don't I mean, crack, baby. You all right? You, oh, no, I'm smooth chocolate, man. Good, yeah. I'm milk chocolate. Yeah, but yeah. just understand that? that there are, there are children that were born when you were drafted that are now out of college. I yeah, just just keep that in mind in perspective. So uh, USA Today a couple of years ago decided to do a redraft of the '96 draft, Ooh. and. Um, yeah, you know, some of the picks changed. Of course they do. Are you curious? It's easy to do that. Are you curious to see how it went? Uh, wow. We're, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, number one, they changed the jet pick to Jonathan Ogden, uh, the, the tackle from UCLA. Oh, number four, number four is going to 
Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get there. Mm-mm. But but they do Mm-mm. say in USA Today that Keyshawn Johnson was certainly productive over more than a decade in the NFL, but there were a handful of legends in this class far more worthy of this pick. <laughs> what do you do? Ogden oh, was one of the most <laughs> dominant tackles in NFL history, 11-time Pro Bowler, inducted into Pro Football Hall of Fame. You're not offended by that, right? I mean, no, Ogden, I don't, no. Very good. Okay. J.O.'s good. All right, number two for Jacksonville will be Ray Lewis. Okay. Number three, the Cardinals, the first wide receiver off the board. Marvin Harrison. Yes, very productive Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Number four, Baltimore Ravens. Terrell, Terrell Owens. Hall of Famer. Another wide receiver goes. Are you okay with that one? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm still scrolling, by the way, waiting to get to you. <laughs> I'm, you man, I'm not you're, in the you're, top. You're, you're I'm okay with I'm not going. Some names: Simeon Rice, okay, okay Eddie George, okay Lawyer Malloy. I'll be a third round guy. You're Brian okay, T.O. Dawkins, but guess what? Zach Thomas, yeah. Willie Anderson. I'm yeah. not done. Leroy Glover. I'm still going here. Yeah. My finger's getting tired. Hang on. i got to wait. i got to <laughs> getting a cramp. A lot of scrolling. Uh, Mike Allstott, he's now got uh, – Yeah, Mike Allstott. There he is. I got you. Yeah, 13th oh, of all to places, Chicago. The Chicago yeah. Bears. But guess what? <laughs> Who would have been throwing to you then? <laughs> but guess what? That ain't reality. The damn reality overall. was – I was already back in L.A. when half them dudes was drafted. So I don't give a damn about no redo. And, and as I like to say, Mike, all the time, I don't need to defend my career at all. I know what I did. And when you play with 17 different quarterbacks, ain't nothing I can do. What did they just do put on I ESPN right. News? I, I like what Mike are they T doing to you right now? I feel like Mike T has so much to say right now. Was, was Keyshawn overrated? <laughs> absolutely <laughs> overrated. <laughs> absolutely look overrated. Look at Mike's face. Mike's look. face. <laughs> hey, look. Absolutely overrated. One, one guy at the receiver position that can play multiple spots. Nowadays, you got to get multiple receivers to do that. Mike, your thoughts? Oh, I see. Go ahead, Mike. I've said this. I have steadfastly defended Key. He was a really good receiver. The stats will rest in for for all of time. We know that. He was a great blocker. And we did so much at the line scrimmage because if teams stayed regular, we could throw the ball because no linebacker could cover Key. And then if they went small and went nickel, we could run it behind them. So he did a lot of great things. Now, I know one person on the plan that would say that Keyshawn Johnson wasn't overrated besides Keyshawn, and that would be Rich McKay, the then general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He did not think that Keyshawn was overrated. And when we said we were going to trade Keyshawn for one first-round pick, he absolutely insisted, no, we have to send two. <laughs> Mike, I, I, need you to, I need you to clear something up, though. Did, did Key have slug feet a little bit? Uh, no. He, he, was he, he fast? Was he fast or did, was he mobile? How would you – how would you frame it? Mobile, hostile. You, you know, like in today's parlance, we would talk about his catch radius. We would talk about the 50-50 balls. We would talk about contested catches. He was quarterback friendly. Like if Vinny Testaverde was on right now, he would tell you how much he loved throwing a key just because it was such a big catch radius. Well, you mentioned Vinny Testaverde. Uh, if you had been drafted by Chicago, you're talking about Dave Craig. Eric Kramer. <laughs> what go yeah, happen, though? Look, look, that was <laughs> hey, the gas look, face. No. That was, what, no. But look, hey. <laughs> he just took bad medicine. Was no. it, <laughs> but wasn't going to happen. <laughs> what, after I left the Rose Bowl in 1996, I knew I was going to be the first or the second pick in the draft. I wasn't worried about it. Did you, when you, I ran so be, my 40 and hit the clock and went 446, 443 at 220 pounds, I wasn't worried about it. Flexed. So that was a hard place. Go ahead and say your number. I wasn't worried about it. When I vertically jumped 38 and a half and broad jumped 11, I wasn't worried about it. I can bring out statistics. I just never do because I don't like to have to defend my career. When you play with as many quarterbacks as I played with, hey, man, 
I ain't going to say nothing. Mm-hmm. We don't throw the ball on every single down. Think about it. I played the Carolina Panthers and Dan Henning, great offensive mind, great offensive coordinator. Mike, we threw the ball seven times in the game with Chris Winkie at quarterback against the Atlanta Falcons. Chris seven Winkie. times. But guess yeah. who got the one catch? <laughs> Me. <laughs> Me. And one Dan, target, and, one catch. And, and if Dan Henry was on this, he would say, why do we throw it that much? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, see. Crazy how much the league has changed, man. Oh, crazy man. how much we the league We threw the ball like seven your, times. Your numbers would be so different. Jay, well, you can't bring that up. Key doesn't want to go back. We can't go back to 95. <laughs> fair point. That's a fair point, yes. But, but, Mike, I think we asked this, right? I asked you this yesterday. Mike, I want to know from you as a GM assessing this draft, if Keyshawn was in this draft, where would he go? Look, it's a receiver league. He he would be a, a top 15 pick for sure. Now, Jamar Chase, I think, is going to be really special. Some of these guys are so fast and explosive that when you run 4-4, and, and Key's right, at his size, when he ran it, that was something special. But these guys like Jalen Waddell now, it's on a whole nother level. But uh, Key's game certainly fits today. And, again, what was really great about him was his versatility to play outside but also inside the numbers and his blocking, he would be the best blocking receiver that came out. And a lot of these teams that still want to, like, take Carolina to picking at eight, you know the way Matt Rule wants to play. Like, he'd be a great fit with his USC uh, guy that he defends all the time, and Sam Darnold. <laughs> so I think that's another good fit really there good as well. Parent. Mike, you, you, Mike okay. you, keep, you keep referencing size, catch radius, things of that sort. When you, when you, when you think about Devontae Smith, does it worry you that he's only a buck seventy? I mean, Key has talked about – when you know, a guy's able to put his hands on you, they can disrupt that motion. Does that worry you? Yeah. You know, Jay, well, here's what's interesting. I went to the national championship game, and I'm like, man, I can't wait to see Justin Fields against Mac Jones. This is going to be a great way to try to break the tie between those two guys. And I left the, st- left the stadium thinking, like, Devontae Smith was the best player on the field. And for years, we had to defend Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison was never more than 170 pounds. He only ran about three or four routes, and we could not stop him. Devontae Smith has that type of ability. But here's something, guys, we have to recalibrate ourselves to keep saying this. Can he withstand the rigors of a 17-game regular season? And at 166 pounds, that would concern me. Mm. Jalen Waddell, to me, more explosive, probably built a little bit sturdier. And that's why I would give him the benefit of the doubt. But, guys, 17 regular season games at 166 pounds – I don't know about that. All right, Mike. Well, you have withstood the hour so far, and now you have to play call a roulette with us before we send everybody off to the NFL draft. So that's what's coming up next. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We'll get to that Just after Keyshawn. I was the number one pick in the draft. So. Just want you to know that. And, and Keyshawn also now has this read from O'Reilly. <laughs> or are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't compromise your visibility with streaks or smearing on your windows. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. The professional parts people will help you navigate their wide selection to find just the right wiper blades for your windshield. O'Reilly Auto Parts will even install your wiper blades free of charge right up your alley, Jay Will. See better and drive safer with new wiper blades at O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's time for Call a Roulette. You know the rules. Don't ask us how we are. We're good. I don't want to hear any of that. Get in, say your name, and make your point and ask the question. 888-729-3776. 888-SAY-ESPN. And don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Especially you, Line 5. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? 
You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. See with Mike Tannenbaum here. We can't have any line five issues. We did have an issue yesterday. It wasn't a line it's five line issue. line three. But just make sure you are ready to go. Your name, where you're from, and either your hot take or your question. And we do have Mike Tannenbaum here. So obviously with the NFL draft today, NFL-related would be preferable. We spin it now. Line two. Come on! Really? Come on! You get one more. You get one more. No, chance. that's it. That's it. X. Out. I'm done. Out. Terrific. Unbelievable. Start the damn um, show like that. Mike, I'm sorry. I apologize. Let's spin it. All right, it's line five, and don't test me. Line five. Hey, what's going on? There Jonathan from New Jersey. How you doing? How good, you doing? good, good, good. Uh, listen, real quick, should my Miami Dolphins take Kyle Pitts or take Jamar Chase? Because I want Tua to get uploaded with weapons, and I want us to come off fire in this season. What do you guys think? I think either one of those two selections will be fine. I probably would go more of – Kyle Pitts, two tight ends set. They already got the tight end down there. That's pretty good, Mike. I think you you pair him with Pitts. You get into sort of that what the New England Patriots did when they had Hernandez and Gronkowski for a couple years. Yeah, absolutely. He is going to be a great mismatch. You're going to have to put a corner on him. When he becomes a better blocker, he'll be unstoppable because if you stay out there in any sort of like normal defense and try to cover him with a linebacker or a safety, he he's going to be, I think, transformational. Great upside. He would really help to his development. All right, let's spin it. Line three. Corey from New York. Do you see the crazy John Gruden moving up to grab a quarterback? No. The Raiders? Nah. Mm -mm. They got two quarterbacks that's sitting pretty good right now. I'm not even going to let – Mike doesn't even have to answer that. Spin it. 
called them the crazy Grudens. The crazy Grudens. <laughs> Line like four. Hey, good morning, fellas. Julian from North Carolina. Hey, how about Dallas trading out from the number 10 spot to New England and uh, getting uh, Stephon Gilmore in the trade and picking up Micah Parsons from the linebacker from Penn State at 15? I, 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 could, see, I could see them exploring an opportunity to maybe acquire a Gilmore and still being able to have their cake and eat it too. I, I just I don't know how much – how much gas is left in Gilmore's tank, though? Okay. Mike? Yeah, I, I actually like that trade. You know, Key's right. He's coming off of a major injury from last year, but Gilmore's still a really good corner, and if you're Dallas, you could get a starting corner and maybe draft somebody else. I think J.C. Horn and um, Sertan may both be gone, but now you're looking to get guys like Greg Newsom from Northwestern. And Coach Belichick has never drafted a quarterback in the first round. He took one in the second round in Jimmy Garoppolo. But by all accounts, to try and put a ribbon on a very aggressive offseason and get that quarterback to finish the deal in terms of all the other changes they've made this year. Let's get one more spin in real quick. Line one, quickly. Yes, um, this is Tyron um, from Dallas. Um, I called a couple weeks ago, and I proposed to really piggyback on that Patriots and Stephon Gilmore. I proposed to trade the key, um, and I respected key. Um, this, yes, this is Tyron from Dallas. Um, I called a few weeks ago to really to piggyback. I'm a Patriots fan. I proposed to um, trade the key about the Stephon Gilmore as well, offering them a third-round pick. But I really want to, I guess, um, know, Mike, how you felt about it, but get the value of Stephon Gilmore. And a two-part question. I know you guys two both part. are. Uh, no, yeah, a no, two-part on top two, of the first part? We, yeah, no. It's, Say, man, you're doing a whole lot, man. Yeah, two-part with like 30 <laughs> seconds hard, to go, man. unfortunately. <laughs> we hard. ain't got no well, time. Well, the draft we is tonight, everybody. 7 o'clock ESPN Radio, Jeez, ABC ESPN. Hey, I got a 10-part question after this. Enjoy. We'll see you tomorrow. I still was a first.